to express our love and adoration for you. We have come today from many different backgrounds and with many different needs. And we bring, we bring our burdens, our cares, our needs before you. And Lord, humbly we ask that you would speak to our hearts today at the point of our individual, personal need. That you would touch our hearts and our lives and draw us closer to your side. Speak to us today, we ask. And we offer this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. Good morning. I hope everyone is having a good holiday weekend. We're going to start today with a pop quiz. Okay? And I want to take you back two weeks to the message that was given then. And I'm going to give you a hint to begin with before I ask the pop quiz question. The hint is the message was taken from five different Old Testament passages. And here is the pop quiz question. What was the topic or the title? And I'll even give you a hint. It had three words in it. What was the topic or the title of the message two weeks ago based on five Old Testament passages? Walking with God. Good. Good. Now, there's going to be a slide put up here any second, I hope. Um, there. Walking with God two weeks ago. Today, running from God. Opposites, right? Walking with God and now running from God. We've probably all been both places, haven't we? This is going to be the beginning of a series starting today on the book of Jonah. So today we're going to look at Jonah, the first chapter, and we're going to talk about running from God. Now, before I do, I've got to tell you a story. Everybody likes a story, right? Once upon a time, far, far away, there was a young man, a middle teenager, who began sensing a calling into ministry and so he began pursuing that throughout his high school years and into college and had opportunities to preach and but somehow as he went further in college he got further away from that calling and he became more full of to be honest himself and the plan that he had for what he wanted to do which wasn't the same as what God had been talking to him about. So, by the time he finished college, he was headed off in a brand new direction. About that time, the country where he lived had become engaged in a war. And they decided the best way to supply the troops they needed for that war was to start a draft lottery. And by doing that, they would 
pick the young men who would enter the military to help them fight the war. And this young man, as he ran from God, won the draft lottery. I don't mean he was first picked, but he was going to go from his number. About this time, his dad came to him. His dad, who was a minister, said, you remember not that many years ago, you were pursuing ministry, and now you're not, but if you would return to pursuing ministry and go and enter the seminary, you'd get a deferment, and you wouldn't have to go in the military at all. The young man responded, oh, no, I know one thing I'm not doing is going in the ministry. And so he entered the military. As he continued to run from God, he entered the military. And there was, as he ran from God, a great fish that swallowed him. And the great fish's name was Vietnam. And after he returned from spending time in the belly of the great fish, he was spewed out on the shores of his country, and he began little by little, finally moving in the direction God had been talking to him about several years previously. Long story short, this young man spent 35 years in full-time Christian service. You have by now surely figured out the young man I've been talking about is the old man who's telling you about it. So when Pastor Kevin, who really doesn't know my background, asked me to preach today on Jonah 1, I just smiled at him. <laughs> and I said, there's probably not a chapter in the Bible that I can relate to more than Jonah 1 <laughs> because I have been Jonah 1. So today we're going to look at running from God because I know just what that looks like and feels like and I imagine several of you do too. And let's see what we can learn from this passage. I'm just going to open my Bible and we're just going to go verse by verse through the 17 verses of this chapter. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, you know God talks to us, tries to at least. We don't always listen, but he does speak to us. The word came to Jonah. God was speaking to Jonah. Now, we see in 2 Kings that Jonah is called a prophet in the New Testament. Jesus refers to him. This is a real person, a prophet of God, a person who is used to declaring God's word, going places apparently and speaking what God wants him to speak. He's accustomed to that. God speaks to us. You don't have to be a prophet for him to do that. He speaks to us through prayer, as we've been talking about already this morning. Through Bible study, through worship, through fellowship with other believers, through Christian counsel, through open and closed doors, through a number of ways God speaks to us. 
two basic principles about God talking to us. Number one, God is not the author of confusion. He's the author of clarity. So, if you want to know what God wants you to know, He will find a way for you to know it. He will. God's will is never a coin flip. God has means of speaking to you. He knows who you are. He knows what you'll listen to. He knows where you are in in life and what those needs are that you need to have addressed in your life. He will find a way to speak to you if you seek, if you're open to, to hearing. God is not the author of confusion. He's the author of clarity. If you're in your life right now at a point to where you're trying to make a decision about something and you've just uh, prayed about it and then sought about it and and thought about it and, and talked to people about it and you're still confused about it, keep seeking. God's not the author of confusion. He's the author of clarity. He will find a way for you to absolutely know what he wants you to do to know. Second principle, if you want to know God's will for your life tomorrow, make sure you're in the center of God's will for your life today. If you want to know God's will for your life tomorrow, make sure you're in the center of God's will for your life today. Because if you're in the center of God's will for your life today and every day and every day and every day, when it comes time for an adjustment or a new direction, he'll show you. Because you're in the center of his will. If you want to know God's will for your life tomorrow, every tomorrow, make sure you're in the center of his will for your life every today. And he'll find a way to get you the clarity that you need. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against that. For their wickedness has come up before me. Now, we've got Jonah, who's running from God. That's what he's going to do. And he's running from God because he's been given this assignment to go to Nineveh. Now, let's just put this in perspective. God has said, I want you to go to Nineveh. That's the assignment I'm giving you. And what we're going to see is Jonah's going to go the other way. He's going to go to Tarshish, or try to. God says go this way. Jonah is going this way. But he's a prophet. He's he's a, a man who's committed to God. Why is he doing that? Let me read you just a brief historical reference to Assyria. The capital, uh, the country from which Nineveh is the capital. So God says, go to the capital of the Assyrians. Go to Nineveh. No one, this historical document says, was capable of standing up against the Assyrian armies. Siege engines and strong cavalry units, they increased the effectiveness of their military machines by pursuing a deliberate policy of terrorism. The annals recorded their exploits are filled with some of the most incredible examples of brutality and inhumanity ever perpetrated by man in his long career of mistreating his fellow men. 
This is who the Assyrians were. Everybody was terrified of the Assyrians. They were conquering one nation after another. They were destroying one city after another. They were humiliating one people after another. And God says, Jonah, I got an assignment for you. I want you to go to the capital of these people and preach against them. Do you understand now why maybe Jonah said, wait a minute. I've heard about these people. And you want me to do something like that? How in the world is that possible? Arise and go to Nineveh. God calls us. He calls us to do important things. And often the things he calls us to do are very difficult. But then again... Because they're difficult, it requires us to involve and include him in the process. Something we can't do on our own. We've got to have him. So a lot of the things he calls us to do are monumentally difficult. Where is God calling you to go? What is he asking you to do? It may be difficult, but if so, it's because it's important. I like the verse out of Luke, Luke 137, for nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. Verse 3, but Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish. Now this verse is a heavy verse. Verse 3, but Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish that direction from where God was wanting him to go from the presence of the Lord. Think about that a minute. Where would that be? Where would from the presence of the Lord be? What direction would it be? How far would it be? How deep would it be? How high would it be? Where would from God be? And yet, we've probably all had times in our life where we've sought to run away from God. But where would that be? But Jonah arose to flee from the presence of the Lord, and he went down, notice this, down to Joppa, and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare, and he went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. This verse just repeats key words so we don't miss them. Jonah's trying to flee from God, mentions it twice. And once he starts doing it, he starts going down, and it mentions it twice. And then it is, he even says he had to pay for the fare. You know what? If you're in God's will, God will find a way to provide the way for you to do it. If it means money coming out of you don't know where, if it means opportunity, if it means people, if it, whatever it means, God will provide the way. But once you start running from God, you're on your own ticket. But Jonah arose to flee from... And he went down, and he went down, and he was trying to flee from, and he had to pay for it. 
along the way. That's what running from God is like. I know. (laughs) I know. Verse 4. But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea. And there was a mighty tempest on the sea so that the ship was about to be broken up. The Hebrew word here is a better word than sent out. The Lord literally hurled through a wind. Now, baseball, I follow Major League Baseball a little bit. Almost every team now has a a pitcher who can throw 100 miles an hour. I don't even know how the hitters see the ball. I wouldn't even want to be the catcher trying to catch the ball at 100 miles an hour. But God hurled a wind out toward the ship. How would you have liked to have been on that ship that day? So that it was about to be broken up? Verse 5. The mariners were afraid and every man cried out to his God. And they threw the cargo that was in the ship in the sea to lighten the load. But Jonah had gone down, there he is down again, into the lowest parts of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. The sailors were perishing all around Jonah and he was asleep. Jonah's actions, his actions, were adversely affecting everyone else around him. And he was asleep. Jonah was sleeping in a perishing world. All too often, I fear, we as Christians are sleeping while all around us the world is perishing what do i mean by that i mean we come to church every sunday and we do other things that are christian like and all around us the world is perishing It's like being a sleeping Christian in a perishing world. Every Sunday we come and we reload with information and worship and and Bible study and, and the world is perishing around us. The story is told that after the Battle of Gettysburg, they found a rifle, one of these musket loaders that you have to load and reload and reload with the shot and it had been reloaded 23 times without having been fired conjecture as to what took place but maybe it was somebody's job to reload the musket loaders and hand them off to somebody to fire them but the battle was so hot and and the the war was so terrifying that 
somebody perhaps just sat there and just kept reloading and reloading and reloading and it never even got fired. Is that ever like what it's like for us as believers that we just keep reloading and never firing? So the captain, verse 6, came to him and said, What do you mean, sleeper? Arise, call on your God. Perhaps your God will consider us so that we may not perish. And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots that we find that we may know for whose cause this trouble has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. And they said to him, please tell us for what, for whose cause is this trouble upon us? What, what is your occupation and where do you come from? What is your country? What, of what people are you? They decided that Jonah was the one responsible for this and they wanted to know why. What have you done? What can be done that this can stop? Because we're about to die out here. His answer is incredible. Verse 9. So he said to them, I am a Hebrew and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. My instinctive answer is, really? I fear God? This whole thing is, is on my account and I'm running from God, and I'm not willing to do what God wants me to do. And, and, and they say, tell us more. And he said, I fear God. I worship God. I, I reverence God. I'm one of God's children. Really? Why are you doing that? If you fear God and you reverence God, if you worship God, we come to God. We come on Sundays and we say we worship God and love God and praise God and, and serve God. And are there things during the week, are there things in our life by which we are denying what we're saying on Sunday? And the world could easily say to us at certain points, Really? I go to Risen Life Church. I go every Sunday. I worship. I'm in a Bible study class. I helped at Bible school. I do this. I do that. I do that. I worship God. But are there things in our life by which the world might say? That doesn't seem to line up. Verse 10. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, Why have you done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. And they said to him, what shall we do to you that the sea may be calm for us? For the sea was growing more tempestuous. And he said to them, pick me up and throw me into the sea. And then the sea will become calm for you. For I know. That this great tempest is because of me. 
Nevertheless, the men rowed hard to return to land, but they could not, for the sea continued to grow more tempestuous against them. Now, I want you to notice something that started changing back when, when Jonah said in verse 9, I fear the Lord. There's a different word used there than the word that is used earlier when it talks about the sailors trying to talk to their God. That, the word they're using is just God. They each had a God. They probably had idols that they, they worshipped. But that, this is a different word. When Jonah says, I fear the Lord, he uses a different word than they were using when they were talking about talking to their God. He uses the word in the Hebrew, Yahweh, God's personal name. I fear Yahweh. Now, let's go down to verse 14. Therefore, the sailors, now we're talking about the sailors, cried out to Yahweh is the word used. It's not the word they were using earlier when they were calling to their gods, to their idols, to try to call for somebody to help them. Jonah has introduced them to the name of Yahweh, and they've picked up on that, and they begin using it. Therefore, the sailors cried out to Yahweh, and they said, We pray, O Yahweh, please do not let us perish for this man's life. Do not charge us with innocent blood. For you, O Yahweh, have done as it pleased you. You hear the difference? Jonah introduces God, the Lord God, Yahweh, in his statement. Apparently, they weren't familiar with that because they had been talking about God, a God, when they were talking about their idols or their gods. And now he introduces them to Yahweh, and they say, you know, this Yahweh, whoever he is, is sending this. He must be a pretty powerful God. And so they pick up on that and they start talking to Yahweh and they call him out, verse 14, they call to him multiple times. Something has changed because Jonah, even in running from God, has introduced God to these sailors to where now they're calling upon him. And the sailors said, what shall we do? What shall we do? Jonah said, pick me up and throw me in. It's my fault. It's because of me. I'm willing to make the sacrifice. Pick me up and throw me in. So, verse 15, they picked Jonah up and threw him into the sea. And the sea ceased from raging. And the men feared the Yahweh exceedingly and offered a sacrifice to the Lord and took vows. I, li I like this verse too because when the sailors were asking Jonah, what are you doing? And he said, I, I fear the Lord. That was the end of it. But the sailors now who have seen this God not only send this storm, but stop the storm, 
Verse 16, then the men feared the Lord, which is exactly what Jonah had said earlier, I fear the Lord, but they have added the word exceedingly. These sailors who didn't even know who Yahweh was before they met Jonah now say, we fear the Lord, we worship the Lord, we reverence the Lord exceedingly. That's more than Jonah had said when he said he feared the Lord. So they picked Jonah up and they threw him in the sea and the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered sacrifice to Yahweh and took vows. Even when Jonah was running from God, he was able to introduce God to these sailors. And they picked up on it. And they began worshiping God exceedingly and making sacrifices. That's in some way comforting and encouraging to me that even the times that I'm running from God and out of God's will, somehow He can use my feeble, weak efforts to make a difference in other people's lives. And then verse 17. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. That's another encouragement to me in my rebellion. Even in rebellion and disobedience, God prepared for and provided for Jonah. Even in his disobedience and rebellion, God prepared for and provided for his servant. I actually experienced something like that while I was in the belly of the great fish. I was supposed to ride a bus every day at a certain time. From one place to another, I came out of where I was, where I was every day, and I saw off in the distance, I had been delayed because of something that had happened. I'd been delayed probably five minutes, and I looked off in the distance to where I was to go to catch the bus, and there was smoke rising, and there were soldiers running every which direction toward that smoke, and as I drew closer, it was my bus that I rode every day that had just been bombed. Even in our disobedience and rebellion, God does find a way to provide for, to protect. Band, you can come up. So I've got some questions as I end. Are you able, like me, to relate to Jonah? Has, slash is, God calling you to do something that you've been running from or are running from? And where have you tried running to? If you are in some way running from God, where is that from? 
two. And the Dr. Phil question, how's that working for you? <laughs> Next, maybe, maybe that would explain some of the upheaval and unrest in your life. Perhaps it would provide the answer, an answer, for the lack of direction or purpose and the effectiveness you've been experiencing as a believer. Remember Jonah's example. Once you start moving away from God, every direction you move is down. So, Going back where we started today to the message of two weeks ago when we talked about walking with God and today talking about running from God, which would you say is characteristic of your life right now? God loves you. He has a wonderful plan for your life and He is not the author of confusion, but clarity. Trust Him. Walk with Him. It's easier walking with Him than trying to run from Him. 